everybody. Brent Gunning, no Ben Ennis. Guy, guy, guy. One day left in the work week, had to play a little hooky. Don't worry, sports gods punished him. I mean, they punished all of us last night, but they punished him as well. We will get to that in a second. I have the venerable show Ali and with me show. Always love chatting with you. Been a while. No, yeah. no, no, no talking yet. Before I always like to do okay. a little mental health. You did it. No, I'm joking. You're of course you're allowed to talk on the show. I always like to do a little mental health check on people sitting in this spot. Now, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm of two minds on this one. You're very adaptable in the time I've worked with you. And so I have no worries about your, your ability and desire to be up at six o'clock in the morning. And let's be honest, well, before six o'clock in the morning to be ready to do this. But you are also the night owlest night owl that I know. So just how are you doing this morning, Show Ali? You know, I'm actually doing better than I thought I would. Okay. I kind I kind of thought it would be a more of a grind, but I uh, it probably has something to do with the fact that I essentially took a nap in the middle mm. of the day smart and ignored move. your texts until about Always five p.m. A smart move. So you know, Always worked a smart out pretty move. well. Yeah, you don't need to read my texts. It's generally <laughs> speaking, it's leaf complaining. That's it. That's actually all I pretty much text people. That's it. Occasionally, I'll bombard them uh, with like videos and pictures of my children. But other than that, uh, pretty much just complaining about the Leafs at all times. And I would have taken that over the Leafs. I think. Uh, I don't know because <laughs> I, from what I have, uh, what I've gleaned from my text groups, it's 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 uh, adding to the poison, not not uh, uh, tr- taking away from the pain. Oof, that was rough last night. Show. I mean, Leafs have played some stinkers in in their day. That is as bad as I can remember from this team in recent vintage. I mean, the everyone will always point to the David Ayers game against the Hurricanes. That is a special level of futility uh, of which I will never forget. And I just put that in its own separate bucket of terrible Leafs days. And, you know, obviously they're, they've lost games with stakes that matter way more than this, right? Your game sevens are laying an egg against the Panthers in game three last year. You see all those things. But, man, last night was just brutal from the Leafs. Yeah, it wasn't great. When you when you're when you're in the uh, the barn in Buffalo where I'm sure there were plenty of Leafs fans mm-hmm. and you have the Sabres fans who are unfortunately for them largely outnumbered uh yelling, "We want 10. We want 10" oh, at the end God. of that game. That's how you know things have gone completely off the rails. Yeah, the worst worst game of the season for a lot of reasons. And we can talk about Samsonov and what mm. you do with the goaltending going forward, but also maybe largely because the team just after a certain point, just mm-hmm. packed it in. Like they packed it in well before it felt like the third period. I mean, the first period, a lot of goals. I yeah. think they were down three-two at the end mm-hmm. of one. It was still very winnable, but going into the second period, it just it com- effort completely evaporated on top of very poor goaltending. Yeah, I think that's that's the. It's a bit of a Rorschach test for for people. I right. think most people look at it and go, "Oh, goaltending." Guess what? You're right to do that. That is what I look at that game and say, but. If you're somebody who wants to sit here and say, ah, I told you that 10-game stretch where they won eight <laughs> games, ah, who cares? I knew the underlying stuff was there. You can point to that game and say, look at this. Now, I would point to that game and say, I had flashbacks to when Michael Hutchinson was the Leafs goalie because I haven't seen the Leafs perform that way since then where they clearly weren't getting any saves. And I don't know that was a full-fledged capital Q quit but you get distur- you get discouraged. It kills your effort level when you see some of the goals go in that goes in. And then on the other side of things, 
you know, like we all look at the Matthews goal, the first one he scores and go, oh, wow, that's special Austin Matthews. Yeah, he also scored from the side of the boards, basically at the goal line. So uh, Devin Levy was giving up a couple stinkers of his own last night. Yeah. He certainly could have fed off of that as well. So I think that is the most frustrating part is that you look at that game last night. And if you, again, if you're somebody who says, oh, come on, the defense, you think you're going to win with this defense? Come on, Max Domi's your third line center. What are you talking about? John Tavares is overpaid. And I, I want to be clear. I don't actually believe well, some of these things. I believe more than others, not the John Tavares thing, not the Austin Matthews thing. So uh, you, you, uh, you can read between the lines there, but there are, there are flaws with this team, but not to the point where they should be losing that way to that team. I have to mention the, uh, you mentioned the fans in the building last night for right. anyone who was listening, our boy, Ben, he, he did end up pulling the trigger. Okay, all so right. he pulls his kid out of school. Or, well, I shouldn't say that. That was that was TBD. I'm gonna I'm gonna make him sound like the cool daddy. Pulls his kid out of school, <laughs> takes him across the border, and you're thinking, oh, this is gonna be an exciting game, back and forth, lots of goals. And then I I truly cannot think of a greater welcome to Leafs Nation moment than that of hey, Austin Matthews did a cool thing. You yeah. were excited. You were sa- surrounded by a lot of your brethren. And at the end of the night, you're all sad. Because quite honestly, that has been the Leaf experience for the better part of, of five, six years here. Austin Matthews does good things. A lot of you are around. You're all sad at the end of the night. <laughs> it does feel very uh, emblematic of Leafs fandom. I mean, even even for kind of even for us, even prior to for Austin sure. Matthews being an NHL player, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, a lot a lot of Leafs fans have known nothing but heartbreak over the, a large period of time. And, and like you said, I mean, the Leafs have played games with far higher stakes than a a late December game in Buffalo, in which they got blown out. So don't get me wrong; it's by, by far not the worst thing that's happened in 2023 to a sports franchise in the city. But but at the same time, it does feel very. Uh, you know, it's it, in the 2023, 24 mm. version of these Leafs. It, it's not that surprising. You know, the thing that surprised that that would have been surprising mm. if the Leafs had gone into Buffalo and just laid a smackdown. Yep. And and you look at the schedule they're playing. Certainly in the last couple of games and the schedule they have coming mm-hmm. up the next uh, four games before the end of the season or before the end of the calendar year, Hurricanes on December 30th, probably the the toughest game, uh, yep. toughest team at any of those teams where they got the Sens and then two games against the Jackets. I mean, in, th- in theory, a team like the Leafs should go out and wax the Jackets, mm-hmm. Sens, and Jackets in three consecutive games, but... We've seen too many times, Gunner, that the Leafs kind of, they play up to their opponents a lot of the time, and they also play down to their opponents far too much. This is the worst case, Ontario, for the Leafs, is a run of bad teams in a row, but but specifically at this time of year. I know no no one wants to hear it, but these guys are human. They all, guess what? I got some vacation coming up. It might be starting at 8.55.01 this morning. Okay. Guess what? I'm going to do a pretty good job. I think TBD on that. I'll let all you out there decide. But guess what? I have half a mind on the vacation I'm about to take. Now, these guys aren't going to Cabo. They got a few days off. There is a Christmas break in the NHL for a reason. They're going to play on Saturday. They ain't going to play again until the 27th. Right. There is time off. And the other thing about this team, we you laid it out there. This is what they do against bad teams. Occasionally, they lay the smack down like they should. More times than not, they wake up in the third period and go, 
All right, time to get at least a point here. Maybe we can salvage a second because we've seen that a million times in this team. We yeah. see it, we saw it against the Jackets uh, a week or, and change ago. So it is just a bad, the same way for the Leafs. And a lot of people, you know, I think it was, I think it was Bunk who, who made this point. I've heard other people make it as well that Austin Matthews coming out of the Sweden trip and the weird schedule and the bye week coming out of basically two bye weeks. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was really bizarre. But guess what? You start force feeding him games and you start are doing it against good teams and games that matter he looks like this now I don't want to put this just on Matthews because again he was far from the issue last night plenty other guys you could point the finger at not to absolve him of everything but he wasn't the problem last night but I think that it's indicative of what this team is is that they get rolling big games with stakes of the Bruins coming to town or you go into Ottawa and then you all of a sudden Dubas is back and it's the pens on Saturday night these are big games with big stakes and all of a sudden you're in Buffalo where people are selling their tickets for 45 bucks to get in the building before the game because they just got pumped 9-4 9-4 the night before. That's the other part that makes it even worse is you couldn't get to four Leafs. At least they got to four when they got hammered the, the night before. But the other, the and, you know, the other thing I was thinking about with this is Ben and I have been doing, and a lot of people have, the talk of are the Leafs a normal team? What did the playoff win change? And right, right. I'm very curious to see the reaction to this today. Because I think that this will tell us a lot more about the Leafs being a quote-unquote regular team than a loss to the Rangers did on on uh, Tuesday night when they when they last played. Like that game, I think people look at it and go, "Hmm, bad goalies, good team." What do you? Or not even bad goalies, just bad bounces sure. for the goalies. Yeah, yeah. Good team in the Rangers. What are you going to do? I think the reaction to last night today will tell us a lot about if they are quote-unquote a, a normal team. You mentioned the uh, the nine goals that the Sabres had given up. The Sabres, this is from Sportsnet Stats, and they always do a great job, Felon and the crew, pulling out some really esoteric things. But do you Sabres- think Felon has a deputy that's like second in command at Sportsnet <laughs> Stats and is going, come on, you could mention my name so. once. <laughs> I, I, so. I, I do hope there's a little blood feud. We love you all, Steve Felon's team. It, it, it really is. The, the team pulling this out, Sabres the first team to allow nine-plus goals and then score nine-plus goals in back-to-back games since the Red Wings. December 21st, 23rd, 1983, they allowed nine goals to the Canucks and then scored nine goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, of course. Always it always goes back, back to the Leafs. It's, it's just it pretty remarkable. You, you were talking about players uh, perhaps taking some time off, Gunner, in, mm-hmm. mentally maybe yeah. in, in the sense of this holiday break coming up yeah. the holiday trade freeze is already in effect went mm-hmm. into effect a couple of days ago it's a shame it is kind of a shame because <laughs> I think the Leafs could probably use I, I, I'm i not sure which goaltenders in terms of difference makers are out there on the market mm-hmm. but you gotta think I'm curious where you're at on this now that Elias Samsonov can no longer start games for this team and I, I'm not saying just a crap on the guy but he just looks mentally shrunken like I'm almost like he's afraid of being in the actual net and last night he was out of position many times Mm -hmm. he just looked he looked like he was a little lost out there and then after the game he he spoke to the media and he sounded lost as well so I just I'm not really sure you can continue even and Martin Jones I'm not saying Martin Jones is the answer but I just I don't think you can continue rolling him out there there is a back-to-back coming up at the end of this calendar year, 29th and 30th, so you're probably going to see Stamsonov at least one more time in 2023. Yeah. But the lesser, the less times you can see that, I, I think that's 
probably in the in the favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point. Man, uh, where oh where would this team be without Martin Jones? Like I can't believe that's, that's a crazy. sentence we've yeah. uttered in 2023. <laughs> Guess what? We're going to be uttering it in 2024 too because Joe Walling getting healthy anytime soon. No matter how you feel about Martin Jones, no matter how you feel, even about Joe Wall to a certain extent, this has to change the goaltending calculus. Now, look, there's a lot of teams that need goaltenders in the league. You just mentioned the Red Wings a second ago. They had a guy drop the other night. In, in they Huso. signed Michael Hutchinson. They signed Michael <laughs> Hutchinson. Perfect. Thank you for bringing that up. That's how dire it is out there. The guy who I always mention as the poster boy for a team going, how can we win with that behind us? <laughs> just got signed by a team. Now, I mean, you know, this should tell you more about Patrick Kane's priorities than anything else. But the team that just signed Patrick Kane also said we need you Hutch yeah. to put in perspective of where NHL goaltending is at. The one everybody goes to is Soros in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's very interesting. The conversations we've been having with a lot of the insiders this year of teams being more pragmatic in terms of their long-term view. It has been forever sacrilege in the NHL. The idea of, well, we're in a wild card spot, but you know, how many times to go back to the Leafs teams who were better than wildcard teams, but own rentals with Tyler Bozak and JVR. And th- that's what you do in this league. If you're in a playoff spot, yeah. you keep your own rentals. I don't know that it's going to be that way this year. Now, Saros wouldn't be a rental. He has one more year after this. It's going to cost you through the nose, not just because he's not a stopgap goaltender. He is somebody who, you know, we can quibble about elite versus very good. I don't have him on the Shesterkin, Sorokin level, but he is head and shoulders above the kind of group of goalies I think we consider Joe Wall to be a part of. Sure. of okay, this guy's good enough. Maybe you can win with him. So he would be a difference maker, but this is also goes to the question of how about Brad for living. This isn't Kyle Dubas in year whatever it was, five, six, seven, pushing in, pushing in, pushing in, saying, oh, we're so close. I know Brad for living hopes. This is the start of a very long run is his tenure as Leafs GM. And if he's sitting there going, okay, it was one thing when you have to use John Klingberg's money, you got to use it. He still has to do that. Yeah. You say, okay, but you can split that up. A couple defensemen, $2 million guys. That's not as expensive then does he look and say, hmm, what do I think of my third line center? Do I really want that to be Max Domi if I'm looking at buying to help this team for this year? Okay, that's that's a question mark. That's maybe a luxury, a nice to have. But if now you have to go out and get a goaltender, and I don't, I, I don't think it has to be Soros, but if you're not trading for somebody who can really make a difference, what is the point of trading for somebody at this point? So the question I have is really just about true living and how much he, I won't even say believes in the group because guess what? I think he has the exact same belief or belief in the high end group of this team that Brendan Shanahan has always had. And Kyle Dubas had before him. Cause how can you not, how can you watch those guys every night and not say, Hmm, we should probably push in. We should try to give these guys some help, but Tre Living has t- openly talked about the lack of draft capital. We all know there's no second round pick available. So if you're making a trade, yeah. it's got to be. And and I realize I'm going all over the place, but I'm trying to talk myself into the right answer here. And I think I finally hit on it. It's that if he has limited draft capital and the belief in Joe Wall, what does he think Joe Wall is? If he thinks Joe Wall is a guy who can be a starter, but right now is still a question mark, then maybe he does say, you know what? The blue line is what it is, and maybe I go get one other guy to push Benoit and Lagason down a little, but maybe I do need to do my first-round pick 
or by Frazier Minton or Easton Cowan, and it is for a goaltender. I, I do wonder if that's what's going to happen here. It is just so tough to have that be the bet you make. When you buy a defenseman, even a guy like Jake McCabe, right. somebody who you know we've gone up and down on, you know to a certain extent what you're getting. You go out and get a forward. Maybe he doesn't have chemistry with the players you want him to have chemistry with, but generally speaking, it's not going to be a disaster that kills you. If you go out and make a swing on a goaltender, and we're not talking about a third-round pick for David Riddich like they did a few years ago, but moving a real piece for him, that has to be not just a nice piece of the puzzle, but one of the reasons why this team can go forward, and that is just such a tough swing for Trilliving to make. First of all, uh, if, if there was some kind of sporkle quiz on mm. Leafs goaltenders of only the last five years, I feel like that would be one of the most difficult sporkle things for, for anyone to, to accomplish. But I completely <laughs> forgotten that David Riddick even played for the That's Leafs, right. and that wasn't that long ago. It's true. I, the difference makers at goaltender are going to cost you a pretty penny. That's just the truth. It, yep. and, and it doesn't even. It, I don't even think that really applies to only. UC Saros. No. If you wanted to go out and get, I don't know, like John Gibson yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. it's still going to cost you more than I think mm-hmm. anyone would feel comfortable paying, whether that price is a first round pick or whether that price is uh, Easton Cowan mm-hmm. who's going to suit up at the World Juniors, yeah. right? Like, I don't, I'm not sure that's going to be a price a lot of people are willing to pay, Maybe, mainly because I think when it comes to prospects, and this is, go, this is true not only for hockey, but certainly for other sports as mm-hmm. well, baseball and basketball, uh, is, as a, in lesser extents, but you know the 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 it's always so enticing as to what these guys could be mm-hmm. right very much like the the mystery box that it could be anything even a boat type of thing yep. for a lot of these prospects but i i i think we're at the point now where something needs to be done like it's not it's not only because of a 9-3 loss to the sabers mm-hmm. in buffalo it's just because of the entire body of work by Ilya samsonov this season and that that does not uh, wipe away what he did Last year, he played very well in large chunks of last season. But, I mean, this Ilya Samsonov has now given up four or more goals, Gunner, in half of his starts this season, which essentially means that in half of Samsonov's starts, the Leafs had to score five or more goals to win a single hockey game. And a lot of those times, they, it was it was them just, just limping the game to, yeah. to overtime just to salvage a point out of many of these affairs. And I just, I don't know, he just... Like every single shot on the net for Samsonov feels like a scoring chance, and you just never want that. Where I think for me, when if if I'm trying to search for the right answer for goaltending, mm. uh, would I boy would I wouldn't wouldn't I love to see UC Saros be the answer? But even if that's not something that's feasible, mm-hmm. I mean, like who's the best free agent goaltender? Yaroslav Halak. Yeah. Well, I mean, like at that point. It's probably better than what you're getting from Samsonov, but I'm just not sure. Is that going to end up being six of one and half a dozen of the other? Probably, and that's just not going to end up solving very many problems. I I don't want to say it's going to cause another problem, but it's not going to really solve the issue that's really staring the Leafs in the face right now. The other other massive problem you have with this is, and again, like I I know people want to point to the Leafs and say, you haven't developed an NHL goalie uh, since the ghost of James Reimer. And yeah, that's a long time (laughs) ago, folks. And guess what? Before him, it was a really long time as well. Okay? And that is a fair criticism. But guess what? They did develop one. His name's Joe Wall. He's hurt right now. The problem is, is that when you look at the Marlies, and there are a lot of teams who do not have these capable guys down there, but you look at a guy in Dennis Hildeby who is really turning it on, they don't want to do that to him. No, no. But the problem is, is in the grand scheme of things, who cares about Dennis Hildeby? If you need a guy to make some stops right now, you need that. But the other guy they have down there is Keith Petrozelli, and they kind of moved heaven and earth to make sure he didn't get in the net in an NHL game last year. That's right. So the the 
there is no clear roadmap here. The other problem with this is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to squint and see Samsonov getting it back. But this is goaltending. These guys get lost in the wilderness. I don't know what the answer is. Can you, can you say, I mean, you can send him to the Marlies. He would have to go through waivers. Guess what? Nobody's claiming that right now. Anti-Ranta just passed at 1.5 million. Samsonov right. at three and change certainly isn't going to be getting claimed by somebody. And guess what? If he is, not the worst thing in the world. But you don't need to worry about that because no one's going to touch him. But would, would going and playing a game with the Marlies get his head right? They always talk about the advantage that the Leafs have of the Marlies being here, right? right. You don't have to send him to Utica and he's living in upstate New York and he's going... You, if you want to, you can plan this of, okay, Marlies have a home stretch. Hey, Sammy, guess what? You don't got to leave your family. Hey, Sammy, guess what? So you can not feel, you know, try to sell it in every way. It's a demotion, it's a demotion. But I don't even know that going down to the American Hockey League fixes him or maybe it does this is the problem with discussing goaltending in this world it is my running gag with all the nhl guests we have on we're going to talk to jason demirs later on in the show we've had a couple of goalies on this year and i say what are you looking for guess what they're looking for the same thing we're looking for i don't know is he confident does he look big is he sliding out of the net (laughs) they see the same things it is a voodoo based position martin jones is able to be half of a stopgap right now right They need another half. It can't be Samsonov. And I don't see a world where, let's just say they did the easiest thing in the world. And they said, all right, Samsonov, we're waving you. You're going on waivers. We want to send you the Marlies, get you some games. All right. Heath Petrozelli, have at it. No, you cannot run out of tandem a Keith Petrozelli or Dennis Hildeby and Martin Jones for a team that, and again, let's just, you know, we can't adjust the goalposts here. 24 hours ago, we were talking about a team that should win the Atlantic Division this year. Right. Not with Martin Jones and Mystery Goalie X as the tandem. It is just so hard to see a path there. And this is why team building is such a frustrating thing in the, in the NHL. Because, you know, in the NFL, you know better than to try to win if you don't have a quarterback. Right, right. You know better. You just go, we don't have the guy. We'll do some things. Tommy DeVito can give you these ones out there, and we'll try <laughs> to run around and do some things. But we know what this is. There's not a there's not a winning caliber quarterback. We all understand. We're all on the same page. In the NHL, you don't get to say that when you have Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and Max Domi's looking great and Morgan Riley's having a good... You don't get to say that and just punt on the year. Because Joe Wall got a high ankle sprain. You have to find a, a, a solution here. And I couldn't come at a worse time when everybody is, one, literally unable to make any moves right now. Right. Maybe maybe that actually is for the best, that it saves Treliving a, a rash. And I don't think he would do that, but I certainly would. No, that's probably why I don't have the keys to an I NHL team. I would too, honestly. <laughs> but like, maybe on one hand, the roster freeze is good in that regard. The other thing is, though, Edmonton's been looking for a goalie all year long. They haven't been able to find one either. You want Jack Campbell back? No, thank you. Like, it is so hard to see a path to this thing normalizing. But, and I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth with this, but this this is the thing about goaltending is that I don't think this is likely. I don't even think this is more than a... 15% 15% chance. Okay. But if I told you January 30th, Ilya Samsonov was the Leaf starter and he was playing fine. I like, I give that a 15 ish percent chance of happening because 
goalies lose it and they find it. The issue is with this guy is finding a way back to confidence. And that is the part of this that, you know, when a, again, when a defenseman is struggling, you can do things. You can say, all right, new partner, right. switch it up. Right. Let's give them easier matchups. When a forward is struggling. Shuffle the lines. Hey, let's just yeah. switch it up. Yeah. Uh, okay. All we know how to do is flip Marner and Matthew or uh, Marner and Nylander, but let's do it. Let's see how that works. <laughs> There's nothing you can do when a goaltender's struggling other than to say, make some saves. And guess what? I can only imagine that probably adds to the pressure because Samsonov's sitting there and not that Curtis Sanford isn't working with them and they have things they work on, of course, but there's no one there to help him. There's no one there to buoy him. And that goes back to how the team played last night. Is it a chicken or egg thing? The Leafs have been a better defensive team. They haven't been as good as they were last year, but they've been a better defensive team, especially as of late. But the second those goals go in early last night, and not to say they were super stout defensively early on in that game, but the second those goals start going in, it just evaporates, and it's so frustrating. Yeah, Samsonov played poorly, no question about it, but he he wasn't exactly helped out. I mean, especially when a when a goaltender is struggling, sometimes I think you can expect mm-hmm. some of the players on the ice in front of him, whether it's the defensemen or forwards, to pick him up to a certain extent, but he was not also helped out by what was going on in front of him, like Marner turning the puck over in the corner that led essentially seconds later to a goal right in front of him was uh, was one of those examples. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not putting it all on no, Marner, no, no. for example. It's on, it's on all of those guys, but... Yeah, it's just it's so it's so tough for Samsonov. It's so tough for me to see a way back right away for him. Like if if Martin Jones was struggling, at least I can say, okay, well he's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's played for a lot of teams. He is he has uh, been in the crease and then in the net a whole ton. And there there is something to be said for a, a veteran stabilizing presence back there, even if he's not the yep. just the best at this stage of his career. But I just I'm not sure Samsonov. Like I, maybe if he finds something mentally over this holiday break oh. to a certain extent, maybe he can. Maybe he can. Maybe he can get back to it. But I just, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. I, I, would would 37 year old Yaroslav Halak be a better option at this point in terms of veteran stabilizing netminders? Probably not. But I think I'd. I almost rather see them send Samsonov down to the Marlies for a chance to get right and sign some guy. But it just I, again, I'm not sure it would. It'll make a huge difference at the end of the day. Yeah, it is so. It is so so tough to envision. Text lines always open 590 590 please include your name and location and uh christine and brampton reminding me of something i did want to bring up from okay. our, our pal nick kiprios in his latest so christine and brampton texting in what about matt murray will he be available and i know i know a large portion of you just winced out there they went oh i don't want to do that again but <laughs> guess what if he was healthy you certainly would take a flyer on him right now uh what i what i bring up from kipper is in his latest in the star uh, you know, his main piece on Kyle Dubas is very interesting. I tell everyone out there to go read it and listen to my sorry show, my favorite show on the station, uh, Real Kipper and Born. Everyone should go check out the pod yesterday. They had a great Christmas party. Anyways, don't write off this from Kippers in the Star. Don't write off Matt Murray as a member of the Leafs just yet. The injured goaltender is coming off hip surgery, and word is he's starting to peel, feel pain-free for the first time in years. His goal is to make himself available by the end of the season. Okay. Now, okay, this isn't going to happen. Just like be super clear about this, <laughs> but envision me a scenario where the Leafs just are finding a way with spit and glue and guile and know-how and determination and heart and passion and all the things Bonesy said when Matt Sundin scored that goal against the Hurricanes in 02, <laughs> all that stuff, okay, where they just find a way. And it's Martin Jones and the ghost of Keith Petrozelli and Joe Wall is in the mix. And then you, uh, who's... Playoffs are going to start in two weeks. Who's that poking around on the ice down there? Oh, that's Matt Murray. Now, this has never happened. Like, you cannot throw a goalie who hasn't played in games. Can you imagine? 
but just just dream with me for a world where the Leafs <laughs> Nikita Kucherov is Matt Murray, and he's going number one BS in his super hoser Canadian accent instead of Nikita Kucherov's uh, Russian one. Just imagine a world where Matt Murray off of LTIR comes riding in on his white horse to save the season. Again, not in a million years going to happen, not holding my breath for it, but crazier things have happened. Especially, <laughs> Yeah, I would be, that would be me as well. Shout out Spezza. Uh, that was, that was his reaction after last Saturday uh, at Scotiabank arena. That's my understanding. But I, I see that text and I saw that from Kipper on Thursday and I did, I just dreamed on it for two seconds. Again, no world where that's going to happen. I don't think, but something to keep in the, uh, the back of all of our minds as we sit here in a Leafs goaltending conundrum for the, I don't know, 800th time in the last five years. Well, I mean, as someone who has uh, wasted a lot of oxygen, uh, complaining about the Lightning's use mm-hmm. of Nikita Kucherov and the LTIR going into that playoff mm-hmm. run, I w- it would be very delicious for the Leafs oh. to use it. But you, of course, once they do, you know that they're just going to close that loophole essentially the, the, the very next oh, season. Not the very next season. <laughs> they they would bar the gates. No, Matt Murray, you cannot play. Remember, I okay, we're here. I'm mad about last night's game. We're gonna, this is a league where the Leafs would just, like, open the building and the training facility in right. the summer, and other teams would complain, going, we can't afford to turn the lights on. <laughs> How dare you? The Leafs would bring in refs to work their summer camps right. and stuff, and they go, you go, what are we going to You can't pay a ref. We, we, we don't even have 6,000 seats in our arena. How can we possibly pay an official? So, yes, I do think there obviously would be some way, and, hey, uh, I would love, love, love to have that argument from now until the end of time. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, we'll have plenty more uh, on the Leafs tonight uh, or as we go on today. As I mentioned, uh, our buddy Jason Demir is going to join us later on in the show. We're also going to talk plenty of NFL with Charles Davis. But show, you are one who talks a lot of Blue Jays. I do. And I've been working with a guy who talks a lot of Blue Jays and Ben. But you're not him. And I haven't got your perspective on everything that happened. We also got a sexy signing in baseball. Uh, we've all been told how good it is for the game. I I might disagree, and I might complain about it next. Fan Morning Show, Gutting and Alley on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. place I discovered yesterday is known as the Queen City, Buffalo. But a great day, at least if you believe the Ken Rosenthal's of the world. A great, glorious day for baseball. Not the greatest day. That was when Shohei Otani did the thing we all expected him to do, but we had to tap dance around it for seven months. Not that day. But the second greatest day in the history of baseball, and according to Ben Verlander, the second greatest Dodgers signing of all... No, I think he would probably put this one a little lower. Yamamoto, signing with the Dodgers, getting paid. Once again, feel... uh, Correct me if you feel differently about Mm -hmm. this show, but once again, feels like a guy who said, all right, I'm going to sign with the Dodgers. I'm going to meet with a bunch of teams. Find the highest dollar. They're going to give me one red cent more. Then we're going to call it a day. <laughs> it's what it looks like to me. 
Do you feel any differently about it than I do? No. So the reports are that both the Yankees and Mets offered him <laughs> virtually the exact same deal or offered him like 300. He signed for 12 years, $325 million. Oh, is that so, all? Some of, the, some of the reports. It's apparently the richest deal ever handed to a pitcher, beating out Garrett Cole's deal by $1 million. They, so he, he got $1 million more than Garrett Cole did a couple of years ago. Okay, you know what? Now I'm back on board. This is good for baseball because I like <laughs> I like Garrett Cole being a whiny baby. So I have him something to be upset about. I'm but back on board. Apparently the Yankees and Mets offered him this exact deal or offered him just, just a slightly a little bit less. And he, mm-hmm. got, he got like a handful of dollars, one red mm-hmm. cent, like you said, more from the Dodgers. So I, I, I admit I'm not as upset about this yeah, cause it about does. the Otani because it, it never really felt like the Blue Jays right. were seriously in on Yamamoto nor did they really need to be obviously I think he will be good but mm-hmm. it, it never really felt like the, the the talks with the Blue Jays had progressed to the point where it was a serious possibility where it did feel like that for sure. took a time with Otani yeah it definitely did and the the jury is so-so on on these guys coming over from Japan, especially, you know, like Yamamoto is still relatively young at 25, but we've seen Daisuke's of the world who are, they're fine. Yeah, they're sure. okay. Yeah. You know, not 90 million bucks or whatever it was that he got at the time with his fake pitch that it, it's just a change up guys, but we'll call it a gyro ball. So he can, he can get a higher posting fee. We've seen that. We have also seen guys come in and be great. Tanaka was awesome. Sango's pretty good for the Mets this year. I expect him to only get better as he gets kind of more, more comfortable in, in North America. So yeah, it, Kenta Maeda be, was pretty good. Kenta for Maeda a chunk was of time. pretty good yeah. as well. Yeah. Like these, they, like there is a track record of these guys being, good serviceable front ish end starting pitchers but i don't you know i guess tanaka would be that guy that came over and was yeah, truly and yeah, he was pretty good uh, feels like going without saying uh, shohei otani also yes. pretty good should he ever <laughs> pitch again we we shall see but uh, you know what do you make of the i mean obviously everyone does the connection to otani and the deferred money i joke about the uh, everyone in baseball saying this is so good and they weren't saying this about yamamoto but they were able to get them because of the deferred money. I mean, they're the Dodgers. If if Shohei Otani didn't defer any money and they really wanted to get them, guess what? They could go do it. It's just a matter of cutting checks. But I don't know that the impetus would have been there to go into the CBT and the luxury tax payments and all of that for this player if Otani didn't. What do you make of the idea that Otani kind of clearly paved the way for this? Yeah, he, I think he really did. He he not only did he did he paved the way with the deferred money, but also, I mean, what, minutes after the signing was announced by Jeff Pass and ESPN, Uh I think MLB on social media posted a picture of Yamamoto and Otani hugging yeah. in their Japanese uniforms yeah. at the World Baseball Classic. So it, it just kind of felt like it was always in the cards. Like he, uh-huh. he was gonna, he was clearly going to go somewhere, and this was reported pretty widely a couple of weeks ago, though. He was always going to go somewhere with another Japanese player. Uh-huh. And, I mean, Which I mean, makes it, sense. It makes sense. Like, I mean, yeah, you could, I'm sure he could. He, he would have had a lot of fun playing in Boston with Masataka Yoshida, yep. but he, he's going to have more fun playing in so. Los Angeles I with so. Joey Otani. And also, oh, yeah, some guys named Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Clay yeah. Kershaw and so on. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I admit it did not hurt me as much. It was pretty funny to see the number that uh, that passing throughout after Yamamoto signed. It was something like between Otani, Yamamoto, and the contract extension they gave to Tyler Glass now okay, after he got right. traded there. The, the Dodgers have now two, three players given out $1.1 billion. $1.1 billion. Uh, Gunnar, how many, how many dollars have the Blue Jays committed to signing literally any players? <laughs> 
Big old zilch. Uh, I would like for that to change soon. Very, very fitting. I just pulled up Passon's Twitter account as you're mentioning that. $1.1 billion. 1.1 million Twitter followers for Jeff oh, Passon. So nice little city uh, <laughs> uh, synchro- synchronicity there. Uh, the, other, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about with this is, now this has been a hobby horse of mine. I don't know. Again, maybe you care about this. Maybe you don't. I think it is bad for baseball. Not not that these guys signed on the same team, not that they're Dodgers. Like, I have no problem with that. Uh, you know, I jest, but I actually, it doesn't bother me that they're Dodgers. Go be good. It's not going to affect my life one way or another. I think it's a problem for Major League Baseball. And this isn't to say that these markets are bereft of talent. Juan Soto literally just got traded there. Uncle Stevie just went out and spent a billion dollars last winter. So I can't say that this is from these teams not trying. But it was a thing I've long felt about Otani was that he was going to go somewhere where, and look, he's Shohei Otani. He has a nation on him. The Dodgers fans care. I get it. But you can't look me in the eye and tell me that it's the same being a Dodger in terms of the pressure you feel as it is being a Met or a Yankee. Or I honestly wonder, quite honestly, at certain times, a Blue Jay. I think there is something about having a stars, true studs in not major markets, not marquee teams, because guess what? The Dodgers are both of those in spades. They also play all their games at 10 o'clock at night. And let's just be honest, when things happen on the East Coast, maybe it is my East Coast bias. I don't care. I'm going to own it. We talk about it more. We just do. Do you think it is a, and again, like I don't expect Manfred to step in and say, by edict of God, you must sign with the Mets or Yankees. Like I don't expect that to happen. I don't think that would be good for baseball either. But what do you make of my theory that a guy like Otani and maybe Yamamoto, I'm not going to put this on him because, well, I mean, we don't know anything about Otani either, but they just don't want the smoke. They want to be somewhere where it's easier. I do think there is something to be said for them playing in confines that are very familiar to them because mm-hmm. of the the Dodgers all even before Shohei they yep. already had a pretty large oh, Japanese yeah. player sure. base and 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 a lot uh, there there are a lot of like the, the the Japanese and Korean markets I think do tend to lean a little bit more towards mm-hmm. the West Coast teams just because of geographic pro- pro- sure. proximity so I I do get it so I think I do really believe that is a large chunk of why uh, obviously like the dollars and the term mm-hmm. and your teammates matter a whole hell of a lot but I mean, the Dodgers are also not only is it was it easier to sign with them because of money and, and because the team is going to be really good. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think it's not a done deal that signing with the Mets or Yankees would lead to success for you either. I mean, they're not. I mean, the Yankees were a bad team last yep. year and, and they, they got better because they acquired Soto, but their mm-hmm. pitching is still a mess. And they had to deal away Michael King in order yep. to get Soto in the first place. And Michael King, I mean, gosh, we saw him at firsthand carve up the Blue Jays mm-hmm. a couple of times towards the end of the year. So. I, I, I think it would have been I think he would have definitely been under a lot more scrutiny. I say he in terms of Yamamoto, mm-hmm. but it goes it's the same as true yep. for Otani. But I, I agree. It, it definitely felt like the easier choice for them both to sign with the Dodgers. Uh and yeah, yes, ten PM Eastern, seven seven Pacific. I don't know. It just we don't really just we don't talk a lot about the big exploits of the Dodgers here and and in New York and in mm-hmm. Boston and Atlanta and so on when things are going well for the Dodgers essentially until you get to the playoffs. When yeah. you, when you talk about everyone kind of in, a, in, in the same boat. So it is weird because you, you mentioned that. It's a very good point in that, you know, some national teams feel different than others in terms of their place in the discussion. And maybe how much of that do you think is it just that the Dodgers are kind of old hat? It's like, all right, we've been doing this thing with Kershaw forever. And I know yeah. Freeman and Betts are there new-ish to the scene there and Otani's going to be a different... But it just feels like... Feels it, what it's like the old uh, it's like a 
philosophy experiment of like, oh, if you change all the boards on a ship, is it the same ship or, or whatever? Ship of Theseus. Oh, is that it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Look at look at you. I thought I was sounded smart. I certainly <laughs> didn't have that in, um, on the tip of my tongue. But it's kind of like that. Of All the boards have been changed over the years, but Clayton Kershaw and Dave Roberts are still there. So it still feels like they're the Dodgers. But I, it just, we don't talk about them in the same way. You know, I think about all the Phillies conversations I've had, and maybe it's just because those crowds look raucous and awesome. I think of the Braves conversations I've had, and it just doesn't feel, even the Mets, and I don't know if that's just that they're closer, but part of it is baseball's a regional game and that you care about your team, you care about your division, maybe you care about your league at large, and then maybe... If you're a sicko like you and Ben, you care about all of Major League Baseball at large, okay? Like, that's kind of the way it works for most people. But does it not feel like the Phillies, the the Braves, I mean, even the Mets to a certain extent, to me anyways, feel free to disagree if you feel differently, they feel much more national in the way they're discussed than even the Dodgers do. I, I think a large part of it, the two-gunner, is that the Dodgers kind of, unfortunately, like the Leafs, have put together monster regular seasons mm. only to get bounced immediately. And the, the the pure chaos of the baseball postseason has something to do with this. But, yep. I mean, it just people are going to make so many jokes now. And, I, I gosh, I saw them last night during Thursday Night Football that – the the Dodgers are going to win 160 games and then get bounced in the NLDS mm-hmm. by the Rockies yep. or by the <laughs> Diamondbacks or whoever, right? Some god awful team that just by the skin of their teeth made mm-hmm. the made the playoffs and won in a wild card series. So I, uh, it, it, it's true until the Dodgers prove that the, they should be talked about more, even with all their high priced talent. I think they are going to be viewed as it's it's not a they're not a second rate team. They're not because no. they clearly are one of the For juggernauts sure. of Major League Baseball. But they they are discussed in a different way than the Yankees are, than the Mets are, than the Red Sox are. You know, like even when the Red Sox are terrible, yeah. even when they are one of the worst teams you'll ever see, yeah. and they have been a couple times in the last couple uh-huh. of years, it, it still feels like they capture some of the national attention sure. in a, in a much different way than the Dodgers. Dodgers ever well they, some of the other West Coast teams too but the it's it's hard to compare the the San Francisco Giants yeah. and the Seattle Mariners to the and certainly the Angels to the Dodgers and when it comes to all the West Coast teams yeah it is and yeah I think I think you nailed it there just the idea of the like banging their head with the futility over and over again and the interesting part is that I don't think most people would feel this way but let's say Otani Let's forget, let's just take the Jays out of it. And I know it's impossible for everybody to do, but let's just live in a world where that was never going to happen. Right. And he is a, he does the thing that was bandied about of, I'm going to take a two-year deal as a brave and then hit the market again as a true hitter pitcher, What, whatever. Let's say something like that happened. I think there would be some sentiment to people that would go, I, I don't think it'd be a big chunk, but I think there'd be some sentiment to people that would go, wow, look at that. Good for the Dodgers. They finally did it. But now that is dead and gone like capital v villains and again i'm i'm even removing the blue jays part of it i know no one here will ever be able to do that ever again in their life but there's no i cannot imagine a person now who is not ben verlander or japanese that just goes oh i want the dodgers to win i'd love to see it i don't know maybe there are people who like i know you love them your name show i maybe there are people who pull for (laughs) shohei because they want to see greatness persevere and get their titles i certainly feel that way about most great athletes 
but I don't know that it'll feel like some, ah, they finally did it. And I know they got their COVID title, but I think a lot of people put an asterisk on that one as well. Yeah, I think they do. And, and, and I didn't get me wrong. I just, I, the Dodgers are an impressive organization, but I, the way it all went down, I think have, has largely soured people on Shohei. I, I, I do got to say, Gunnar, on a Thursday, night football happened last night. Mm-hmm. It, it was really funny to see them, the Rams, mm-hmm. go out of their way to honor okay. Shohei Otani with the jersey. I'm so happy you brought I, this only up. Be, it, it, like it's in, in, a, not, in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with that because he's an athlete who mm-hmm. plays for a team in their city. For sure. here's, here's the thing. He's played in Los Angeles for the yeah. past, what, <laughs> six years, five years? Like, <laughs> And they're only getting around to it now? I just I thought that was hilarious. Like it's just, oh, now that he plays the Dodgers, we could have him on Thursday Night Football and give him a jersey. Oh, it was great. I see, I didn't even think of that part of it. That is very funny. I, and it proves to show how little I even connect to all of the teams out there. Like I didn't even connect the Rams to the Dodgers to the Angels. You're right. They're all poking around in the same neighborhood there. The Chargers are there. Why didn't the Chargers do anything? They yeah, should true. get in on it as well. They should have. They should have. They should have done it first. Yeah. first there, that would have been a great move by them. What do you think? Because you know this is one of the things about football. Like if you are steeped in it, if you're you know you're from if you're in North America, sure. you watch football. It's what you do. But if you're not somebody who likes it, it is easily the sport where most people can look at and go. It's just a lot of standing around. There's a lot right. of whistles. There's so much stopping. And again, I love football. This is not my opinion, okay? But I have buds who think like this, and I go, "What's wrong with you? Get on, get on, get on Sports Interaction. Get some bets down. It'll be so much more fun." But what do you think is going through Otani's head? Like, for all I know, he's a football fan. That's how he spends every maybe, Sunday yeah, when maybe, he's not pitching. It's, it's entirely possible. <laughs> again, we don't know anything about him. The dog's name was Look Over Here, Decoy. Literally, okay. I couldn't believe that when I saw. It. Honestly, God, wild, incredible, but. What do you think is going through Otani's head watching a football game? Like, it is just so foreign to baseball. Two sports could not be more different. And again, like, maybe watching football all the time. But that was what I was sitting there thinking of him watching it going, man, these guys are getting hit so hard. They're so big and they're so fast. And it's just, I I can only imagine what was going through his head when he was watching that. Because I saw those pictures too. Looking very, like, much cooler than I would expect yeah. in his leather jacket as well. I didn't. Do you think that was like his splurge? We know he fa- it's like he only gets two million bucks, so he better he better spend it well. Can Shohei Otani afford Spotify Premium? Great question. With his with his salary, pro- pro- <laughs> I'm going to say probably. But uh, he uh, he did look very cool with the jacket. I I I bet what he was thinking was. I could do this too. I could be. I could be a quarterback. <laughs> Derek Carr. I could be a better quarterback than this guy. <laughs> yeah, he. He. I feel like he's got the LeBron rules of like. Yeah. I don't want to get hit. I could play football. Yes. I just don't want to get hit. Uh, okay. He was actually in the locker room shaking hands <laughs> with, like, with Sean this. McVay and with uh, oh. like with Puka Nakua yeah, and yeah. Cooper Cup and all these guys. And he was like kind of like giving them the bro hugs and stuff. Yeah. And I thought I, I, I did. A, yeah, and he's a massive person. Like you don't actually realize no. how tall he is until he stands next to like Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And you think, good heavens, this guy's a massive human yep. being. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, quickly, and we don't need to spend too much time on it because, as you mentioned, literally nothing has happened. Where's your concern level? Do you do you have some like zag of sneaky optimism about the Blue Jays thus far? Where are you at on the? I mean, we know what happened. They wanted to be in on Soto. Yep. They prioritized Otani. They missed on both. I don't. You know, people can quibble about whether they misplayed their hand or not. I don't think anyone's going to begrudge them for being in the Otani sweepstakes. Now we are where we are. Where are you at on the Jays' off season? And let's just be honest: complete lack of anything. 
Someone, someone had tweeted me the other day, uh, X'd me, tweeted me, or whatever. They got in touch with me <laughs> on social media. Not you. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, you're probably, probably for the best to not say that. Uh, they, someone got in touch with me, though, and said, hey, show, okay, are, are the Jays just smoke screening everyone? Are they, are they just using this Otani, being in on Otani stuff and saying, yeah, we were really close on him, and we offered him the same deal that he signed, <laughs> and on. he chose to sign it with Come the on. Dodgers. <laughs> are, are they just using this to... to Get out of the way, the horrible way the season ended and the way the season largely went and lack of moves. Is this what's happening? And I, I, I reserve the, my answer to say yes until we see what actually happens. Because if, if the end of the offseason comes and the, and the mm-hmm. biggest moves are Michael A. Taylor and Tony Kemp and re-signing Matt yep. Chapman, then yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> but, if, but if they do actually sign, like if, if even if, I know this is very unsexy, but if, if Jorge Soler mm-hmm. and J.D. Martinez and maybe Cody Bellinger, if those are the big signings, and yep. you, even if you do have to op- overpay to get Bellinger, then I, I will say that it was a largely successful offseason in one that did not end with Shohei Otani becoming a Toronto Blue Jay, but we're we're just we're so far away from anything happening. It's hard to say. Like in Ben Nicholson Smith's piece mm-hmm. for Sportsnet.ca, he basically made the point that the Blue Jays know that if they wanted to push any deal across the finish line in a, in a number of fa- fashions, they could. Which which leads me to believe that they are in on the Solaires of the world, or if they if they decided they want to pay Bellinger two hundred million dollars mm-hmm. over seven years, they or eight years or whatever it is, they could do that, and he would sign here in a heartbeat. But it just feels like they're waiting. I just if if, if it ends up if it, if the Ross Atkins ends up getting you know quote unquote too cute with the offseason moves. That's mm-hmm. going to just completely evaporate all the Otani goodwill that kind of that so, seemed to sort of build up. Yeah, it feels it feels to me like what happened is they had some really big swings they were very interested in taking. Yep. One of them was Soto, and they said, okay, if we miss out because we're in on Otani, we we do not like it. We hate that he ends up as a Yankee, but it's the cost of doing business. Then I think they're in on Otani. The the money aspect of it, obviously, that's a corporate decision. I don't think Ross even thinks about it, quite sure, frankly, sure. because it's just you're in. So, okay, that's a great plan. You're going to go after that guy. No one begrudges him. But this is the problem with having, and it's not a problem so long as you make it work, but now this is a problem for a front office. That What do we know about them? They're incredibly pragmatic. They think everything through. They will not, not to say they can't shoot themselves in the foot, they will not <laughs> willingly do it. They certainly did last year with a certain trade they made. Shout out Dalton Varsho, okay? so You were on the air for that. I, I was on the air for that with Gord Stelic, of all <laughs> people. Very funny. Uh, but the but when I, I'm on the air for like all big Blue Jays news. I was on the air for Springer as well. That's so right. yeah, uh, maybe, the, maybe today's maybe the day, day maybe. maybe. <laughs> but when I, when I look at it, I just, it, it just looks to me like a team that says, I would like Cody, like I bet you truth serum, Ross Atkins. I would like Cody Bellinger on my team. Would like to see that. Would you like him to be on your payroll for seven years uh, and total $200 yeah. million? No, I don't. I do not. Bad business. Do not want to do that. Do not want to be hamstrung in that way. And also, I wonder how much of it is. They, this is the group that got bit by George Springer. And we can quibble about whether it's got bit or it's just the life of a contract and you get to the spot you're at. They're looking at the bad spot of the Springer contract. It's only going to get worse. He's not going to suddenly become healthier as he ages greater and greater. Yeah. Why would they want to sign up for Bellinger, who had way less of a track record than Springer of being that guy and is coming off a bounce back year? That's the problem I think this group has now is that the moves that do make anybody even smile, forget about being sexy just a little. Hmm, I like that. Right. They're not good, smart, pragmatic, long-term baseball moves, and that's what those guys pride themselves on being. If they wanted a GM in a front office that was going to swing for the fences and go crazy, guess what? There are people like that in baseball. 
that ain't those guys. And I think in the grand scheme of things, that's what you want is somebody smart, somebody pragmatic, somebody with a long-term plan running things. But occasionally in your life, you can't just go along and step by step. Sometimes you have to take a big swing. And they tried, but they missed. And guess what? You can't now just sit on your hands forever. And I'm not saying do something dumb, but there's not an option for the very obvious, very smart thing. Guess what? If it was, people would drive up the price. It'd no longer be very obvious. It'd no longer be very smart. So yeah. I think that's where we're at with the uh, with the Jays. All right, maybe we'll have a little more on that. Uh, we're going to go back uh, to our best and favorite storylines of the year and least favorite. I wouldn't be shocked if Otani uh, wound his way back in. We'll do that at 8.30. But coming up, our man, Charles Davis. Going to talk to him. As always, he's always... He's always calling an AFC North or a Texans game. He gets both this week. Uh, we'll talk to Charles Davis about that. One hour in the books here. Fan Morning Show with Gunning and Ali on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan.